The Guru. Find out more at bafta.org forward slash guru. Hi, I'm Gemma Desai, and in this special trilogy of podcasts, we'll be looking at the world of short film distribution. How do you get them seen at festivals, cinemas, and online? Recorded live at Short Sighted in London, a weekend of discussions arranged by BAFTA and the British Council, you'll hear from filmmakers, online and theatre distributors, plus festival programmers about the best ways to get yourself on their radar. Today on the show, how do you get your short into a festival programme? Later on, we'll hear from two filmmakers about their experience of getting their films into festivals. But first, let's hear from the gatekeepers themselves. You're about to hear from Sundance's Katie Metcalf. Anna Budetskaya is festival producer at the Underwire Film Festival. And we also have producer Johanna Brooks from the London Short Film Festival. Will Massa chaired the panel, and this is him now. So I want to talk, firstly, about the kind of landscape now. In 2016, in our hyper-connected digital world where Vimeo staff pick can, you know, if you're positioned correctly, bring you hundreds of thousands of viewers, why do festivals still matter? Do they still matter? Yes, they do. <laughs> this has been a topic of much discussion, actually, in the sort of past five or ten years. But um, it really comes down to community, doesn't it? It's about, it's about being able to show your film and have a conversation about it and being around other human beings. Um, and I mean, I've seen so many beautiful relationships come out of film festivals. And that's where it fuses with the digital world, really, because you can meet someone at a festival, at Sundance, for example, and then continue to work with them in the future because um, you've got the technology to do that. Um, and, and just the, the act of sitting in a room with a, full of complete strangers and watching your film for the first time on the big screen is a really magical and terrifying, terrifying thing. I really agree with Katie. There's two things. There's one of the things, the scene, a short <coughs> film on the big screen is something still very truly special. Mm. If you've ever made a film, or even as a programmer, when you put together a, a selection of shorts and you see them on the big screen with an audience, their reactions are just priceless and golden. They teach you a lot as well about what sort of stuff you can put together, how it works, and what the relationship with the audience is as well. And then um, meeting people in a festival, having that point of conversation, whether it's... Um, talking about a film you didn't like or something that you really engaged with, and then finding new collaborators as well. And at, um, at Underwear, for instance, that's also the golden mm. nugget as well, seeing how people meet each other and talk about, oh, so you're the DP on this film. I really liked it. We should get in touch. We should meet. Um, there isn't that digital barrier that exists sometimes. Yes, you can get in touch with anyone. But will you actually go out and seek out 10 short films that you can see in an hour at a festival and then meet the people in the room and talk to them about that and carve some sort of relationship? Mm. Will you do that just via email? It's, mm. it's still a bit of a barrier and it takes an extra effort, whether it's at a festival, it's more of a social gathering. So it's kind of more encouraging for that. Yeah, and also I would add that on Vimeo, if you get staff pick, you'll get thousands of hits. But uh, at a festival, it's more about who sees your film. Mm. Uh, the people that are coming to a festival, you know, the programmers you'll meet, the cultural influences are very much more important, I would say, um, in terms of your future career and who, and who you'll meet. And also, I think Jordan touched on this earlier, but being able to say, oh, my film screened at this festival or that festival, 
is so important moving mm. forwards, and I think it's something that's really still very valuable. Okay. Uh, so there's two things there. There's building the community around a kind of, you know, your peer network and understanding where the bar is set in terms of quality, but also, uh, would you say if I, if I were a filmmaker and I got my work into LSFF, I, it's, 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 it's more likely to uh, be a shot across the bow of a potential executive or a financier or a talent tracker or someone who acquires for, a, for, for an online site? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, because it's it's yeah, it's not just about being able to say that your film was screened with us, but it's also our creative director Philip Pilson. He mm. also programs for London Film Festival. Mm. If you get on his radar, that's really good for you moving forwards. Um, uh, and I think, like you said, with with funding uh, in the future, being able to attach a name to your film mm. is is so valuable. Helps kind of cut through a little bit. Yeah, for, yeah. Sure, for sure. And I think that also you guys do this a lot, um, and I think all of the festivals here do this quite a bit, where we continue the relationship with the filmmakers. So if um, <laughs> if a short screens at LSFF um, or Sundance or Underwire, you then keep the relationship going. So if suddenly that person makes another short film that hits it really big or goes into features and then gets BAFTA nominated, you continue that because it's a spot of pride for the festivals as well to be able to spot that talent at very early stages. So you're kind of programmers and talent trackers at at the same time, in I a think sense. that's one of the roles for yeah. festivals now, especially in the realm of short film. Mm, mm. Yeah. And in the case of Sundance, we have the labs as well. So, sort of dream scenarios mm. that you show your short film at Sundance, you go into the lab, and there you develop your feature script, and then premiere your feature at Sundance. So you cool. never leave Sundance. You yeah, you're just you're in the family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take a step back and, and, and take the short film festivals or festivals as a kind of as a kind of whole. I think by there are estimates that there are around there are at least. 2,000 live festivals going on around the world every year, of which around 75% show short films. For a first-time filmmaker, that's an overwhelming amount of choice and decision, uh, particularly when festival entry fees come into the mix. How can filmmakers best educate themselves to make the right choices for where to position their film and, and the festivals that they want to engage with? I think a lot of it's about research and making sure you do your homework basically on, on what films are showing at what festivals and really identify what festivals you think your film is most appropriate for and where you want to show. Um, and it's also touching on what Jordan was saying earlier about niche and thinking which festivals um, deal with some kind of niche hook that's in my film and a place where it might really shine um, and creating a kind of hit list and then a budget, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, the British Council list of, um, of festivals is really a useful tool just to kind of see if you're not familiar with the festival landscape at all and can be very overwhelming. And there's also, unfortunately, some bad eggs that try to scam filmmakers as well. So it's always good to filter those out really quickly. Um, that list is really useful. And then also with the big hitters like Sundance, like Berlin, um, checking the premiere status as well because some of them do require... Um, a global premiere or they cannot be online before that um, so that sort of stuff can influence the calendar of submissions that you do I think a lot of well in the UK at least a lot of uh, festivals for shorts don't require premiere status yep. anymore so um, it's about I think coming up with a strategy of how how much you can get your film seen I would say rather than just targeting the one festival that you really want to screen at mm. 
Now, this has changed quite dramatically, Katie, over the last five years. The premier status issue is becoming festivals are increasingly less mm. adamant about having that premier. In fact, I think there's only a handful left now. There are, yeah. And actually, I contributed to a document that's on Short of the Week. So if you go on Short mm. of the Week, there's a film festival eligibility list. And it lists all the film festivals that accept your film if it's already been online. Um, and I think that was made in 2013, and two thirds of festivals were totally fine if your film. And it's mm. definitely improved since then. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. changing quite a bit, but some some of the really big ones still. Yeah, I think it's the Cannes, Venice, Berlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, one, I was going to say one other thing, and I've totally forgotten what it is. Just read, read the small print, maybe. Oh yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the eligibility for the festivals, yeah. yeah. But also um, that it, festival programmers talk to each other, so it might be the case that if you submit to one festival and don't get in, that that programmer might recommend the film. And what you often find is if once you play a festival, you get invitations from lots of other festivals. Mm. So it's probably best to start out with sort of a highly curated list and then see where that takes you, because it might just roll on its own. Yeah. What, yeah. there, there always seems to every year we've done this. I ask this question. There always, there's, there's, I know there's not a straight answer to this question, but how, I, I, I know a lot of filmmakers hold out for. You know, they would love to be in Cannes, Toronto, Venice, but they'd love to be in those 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 A-list festivals. But waiting for that decision might mean they have to wait six months after the completion of their film. In the meantime, they may be getting offers for sm from smaller festivals that are also really valuable. How do, you, how do you balance that out as a filmmaker, working out whether to hold out for that big festival? Or, or are there plenty of really, really decent short film festivals where actually playing there might be more beneficial to your short? I think, um, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons with big international festivals and smaller, um, more specialised festivals. Um, and I suppose it's really about what you want to achieve with your film, I would say. Um, at a festival like Underwire or, or the London Short Film Festival or Encounters, um, you get to meet a lot more, you get to meet more filmmakers. It's, you know, it's, it's about short film. I mean, Underwire is also feature, but it's a, you know, there is more of an emphasis on short film where, say, London Film Festival, for example, the short film programme is, is kind of lost in everything else. So It's a lot of noise. It's, it's yeah. a lot of noise, yeah. So it's, it's kind of about what you want out of your festival experience, I would say, perhaps. Mm. You know, but then, yeah, obviously there's huge pros of being able to say that you screened at Sundance or London or Cannes. Because or... in Sundance it isn't an issue because we don't have a, any exclusivity policy. Yeah, mm. yeah. true. So, it's interesting to pick up what Jordan was, was saying, which I, I you know, n increasingly, th th this relationship between festivals and online, where increasingly you're now making, trying to make a decision as an online viewer of shorts what to watch, and those garlands can be very helpful. Mm. Mm. Um, and as she also said, there are good garlands and less credible garlands. But there are plenty of short film festivals, aren't there, where a good garland from, say, Encounters or Hamburg or Aspen can be, can be just as valuable for people finding their way to your work as a Cannes or a Venice or a Berlin. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how long do filmmakers have to play with, really, when it comes to festivals after the, after the film is complete? So I think with Sundance it's about eighteen months, so it's actually pretty decent. So they've so they've got to be they've got to be, having that strategy clear right at the beginning is, mm -hmm. is so I'm trying to come back to this idea of, of if you're waiting six months for your first 
bite of a festival that you're into, that's already that only leaves you with a year potentially afterwards mm. to ex yeah. to explore that run. For us, it's um it's two years, so we'll we watch and program and accept anything um that's been done in the two years prior. But if it's a bit older than that, then we wouldn't. It's not new enough to showcase. So it has to be fresh year. for your public. Yeah. <coughs> but then I think there's also, um, especially with festivals that can play around with different curated programs and more eventized programs about short films, you can then rediscover things or bring things that maybe aren't as <coughs> fresh in the circuit anymore, but that fit in with a theme or a particular topic that you want to explore, so you can kind of get in that way. Mm. With us too, it's, it's, it's two years for the 2017 festival. Mm. We wouldn't program anything uh, past 2050. Okay. Can we go behind the scenes of your festivals for a minute? And uh, could you just take us into a little bit of detail about how your decision-making process works for the films that you select and the structure of that decision-making? Is it one person? Is it a committee? I'd be really interested to hear from the different events how you do that. And also the volume of work that you're contending with at the moment. Could we start with LSFF? Um, so we get around 2,000 submissions, of which we program around 350. Um, and we have a pre-selection team of around four people uh, who initially watch the work and comment on it. Um, and then uh, we have different strands. Um, international documentary and new shorts. So uh, our festival director, Philip Ilson, watches the new shorts and um, gives an initial yes or no. And then of the yeses, the rest of the festival team watch. So he'll, he'll uh, decide what comes in and then program into programs. And then we will watch those programs and often things will drop off if the program is too long or if we feel something doesn't quite fit with the rest of the film. So you're kind of you're kind of keeping Philip in check rather than uh, rather than giving doing the early work for him. Yeah. yeah. So he he has uh, he does the initial work mm. and also he does have the final say. Um, but uh, he tends well sometimes his programs can be very long so mm. we're we're kind of hot on trying to make those programs come down a bit and actually i have to say this is a new thing that we've just done it's a democratic year. development at <laughs> because it used to be yeah. just film yeah. yeah yeah so um but with the um for example with documentary uh uh there's one pre-selector and then one programmer so um it's a little different and um we receive um this year we received around 500, 600 submissions, out of which we selected just under 80 short films. Um, we have a pre-selection team that um, we assign different films to of about 10 different people. And every short film gets watched twice, at least. And if there's points of contention between people, somebody really likes it, somebody doesn't like it, we assign a third, sometimes a fourth person to discuss it. And um, then with the actual selection um, group, we discuss all of the things that have been uh, liked and we um, program them by the craft. And then I put together the thematic programs of the festival, which um, take into consideration kind of the, the actual content of the films and not just um, the craft that they shine the brightest in. So we don't have any pre-selection committee or anything. There's, there's eight programmers and, um, and then two heads of the short film program. And so if you submit to Sundance, your film will be watched by a programmer. 
and um, we've received 9,000 submissions. Um, <laughs> so, um, so each of us watch about 1,200 shorts, and then we put forward our recommendations out of that 1,200, and usually that's something between 25 or 50 films each. So that makes around sort of three to 400 films that we all watch as a group which is actually what's happening right now with the Sundance process. Um, and then we meet in LA and uh, for four days and make our decisions. And basically, we, so we, we go from about three or 400 films to the 70 to 75 slots that we actually have. So that's, that's I guess, the reality check on the Sundance side is from 9,000 to 71 makes it something like a 0.07% chance of getting the film into the festival. Um, and of those 71 films, 50% must represent the US. So that leaves about 35 films for the whole rest of the world. And the UK has usually done quite well, and that's not just me. <laughs> um, so we usually have about seven, seven or eight films. Um, but yeah, that, that just, just shows you how tough it is to get in and then in our actual programming process um, we create our five main short film programs then we have animation documentary and new frontier which is the more experimental strand and we usually start off choosing our anchor for each program and that film is usually a film of over 20 minutes so over 25 minutes um, which because of the length inevitably holds the program together and usually can only play last because um, it's often quite hard to follow a follow a long film um, so we choose our anchors for each program and then we build the program around those and that's the time when really the main decisions are made because there might be a film that we absolutely love and we've loved through the whole process but it just doesn't work in any of the programs mm. and so it doesn't make it into the festival which is so frustrating but just mm. it's the the way the way it ends up rolling out and th so this is this is labor intensive yes. for the programming <coughs> team at Sundance are you seeing a year on year increase in submissions? Yeah, I mean, not huge. I think last year we had just under 9,000. This year we've got just over. Uh, the year before we had 8,500. Yeah, it's slowly, slow incre increments. I incremental. And, mm. and presumably that is quite consistent with the levels of submissions that festivals like Cannes and Berlin and Toronto, we imagine, are probably receiving as well. You would think so, but I guess with, say, Cannes, there's a 15-minute limit on length, so that so they probably that, that get, takes out quite yeah, a lot of yeah. yeah. And UK work has done well there, obviously, because we've got a, champ, a, a, a local <laughs> champion here doing the work. But is there a, is there a particular affinity for UK work in the states? Would you say? Yeah, I would say so. Because of the language issue. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The time was where you might have you would have sent a DVD case into the programmer with a little post-it saying "Please pick me, smiley face," or <laughs> had a nice kind of image cover. Now that we've moved predominantly to digital submission. Are there anything that these filmmakers can do to, to grab your attention, or is it just the quality of the work? That, just, that, the that speaks? just the yeah. film. Just, just the film. Just the film. So there's no point bothering with anything else. Just submit no. the best possible film you've got. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is, there is one example I could give from last year where the film that won the grand prize at Sundance, Thunder Road, um, the director, Jim Cummings, wrote in his cover letter, because you get space to write a cover letter mm. without a box. And if you can put some anything of yourself in there it can sometimes I mean it's not it's not going to make or break whether we decide to choose a film or not but he had basically made his film by selling his wedding ring and there was something and something about that that was just really lovely <laughs> you've got to be a bit careful with that though haven't yeah, you? no, you've, got to, you've got to get the tone right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it fit with the tone of the film yeah so yeah it was a divorced dad uh, with his mom dying at a few yeah it was it, it fit with it fit with the story yeah, yeah but yeah. it did add a little extra but uh, yeah yeah let's 
talk a little bit about the festivals, the events themselves, and uh, participating in them. If you're lucky enough to be selected at any of your festivals or, or an international film festival, how can you maximise that experience when you're there on the ground, um, especially if you're going for the first time? I remember the first time I went to film festivals, I found them to be quite daunting. You don't know where everything is or, who, or, or, who, who, or who's who, or um, you, know, you just think, I've just got to be there on time for my screening, and that's, that's the kind of minimum, and then maybe say something on the mic. What, what can filmmakers do to prep for a really good festival experience? Well, I think it's twofold. Mm. In terms of promoting your film, if you have budget to get postcards or posters made, many film, many film festivals will let you display that in the venue on the day of your screening. Um, but if you don't, just online marketing the hell out of your film and your screening and using the festival hashtags and getting that attention um, can really create a big buzz around your film. Like, we had a film in the festival last year called Cherry Cake uh, and it was in a it was in, as well, yeah. did you? Yeah. <laughs> it was in a short film program with loads of other shorts but the filmmaker you know was so vocal online and most of the people in the audience were there for her film and when she we always announced the films at the beginning of the screening and when we announced her film there was this huge tear and she even brought cherry cakes to the screening <laughs> like oh. she did everything and she generated this huge buzz around her film, and I think that's something that she did by herself. Was it the simple amount of energy that she put into promoting it, or, did, or was she really good at it? I, I think it was the energy. I do. Yeah. I, think, I think it was the energy. I mean, I mean, yeah, she went to the effort of baking cherry cakes, so everyone loved her. But yeah. <laughs> the other thing I would say about getting the most out of festival is going to the networking sessions as a filmmaker, um, if there's industry, going to the industry sessions if you can, because you'll get really useful information. You'll meet all the people that you should meet there. Mm, mm. It sounds like Underwire is an incredibly embracing, uh, collegiate and warm kind of encouraging atmosphere. But are there, you, you, you said also there are kind of real industry benefits to being there. If I, I, I wouldn't be selected into Underwire for obvious reasons, but if I were, um, how would I make the most of your festival? Um, well, we're trying to actually build more and more on that and create more opportunities for the filmmakers in the festival to meet each other. So I'd say one of the things that we're really working on, and it's kind of picking up from my previous work as well at bigger festivals, is kind of being very in touch with them from the beginning, sending them invitations and reminders to everything, um, telling them exactly where they can meet other people, what they can do, doing private receptions even for the filmmakers at the festival. So it's a really kind of close-knit chance for them to meet everyone. And mm. then we invite other industry guests as well to meet them as well so I think it's a constant communication with the festival rather than just showing up just for your screening which is great and that's obviously the high point of festival um, there's a lot of different things that can happen and I think it's part of the festival's duty as well to kind of create those moments for the filmmakers and be in constant touch with them and either in our team there's one person who's um dedicated to doing that, um, who's constantly in touch with the filmmakers, who's answering all of their questions, who's letting them know what stuff is going on that might be interesting for them as well or helpful for them outside of their scre the screening of their film too. So I think um, creating those sorts of opportunities in the festival is incredibly valuable. 
if I'm trudging through the Utah snow and I'm feeling sad and miserable and lonely, what, what could I have done to avoid me being sad and miserable and lonely trudging through the Utah snow before <laughs> I got to Sundance? Um, well, firstly, Sundance sets up like uh, meetings for filmmakers who get into the festival, so um, so you get lots of you get lots of introductions. But my main piece of advice is literally just talk to as many people as possible, and it's actually really easy at Sundance because everyone's so friendly and outgoing and um, enthusiastic, and it's really easy to start conversations. And that's how I've met some of the best people there is just purely by starting up chatting, and that's how I got my job because I got started talking to someone on a bus, um, or you could just start smoking because well, all the best people are outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling everyone to spill their wedding that rings. Piece of advice. It's not that, not that kind of event. <laughs> yeah, if you take home one thing today, it's take up smoking to build your career. It's like an, it's like an old advert. Smoke for a better career. Yeah. Um, and okay, so what about what about you know five years ago? Again, filmmakers would have been looking at their budget that they had for their festival run, and they might have a line in there for marketing and self-promotion, and they might do a run of a thousand postcards and some posters. Are we beyond that too now? Is that boring? Do you just like, is like oh, another piece of paper that I'm just going to have to throw in the recycling? I think postcards are good. You think postcards are good yeah, still? Because yeah, because you could, or even just um, business cards with a still mm. from the film on them. That's another good yeah. way. It just keeps, keeps it fresh in people's minds. And, and you often find, um, they'll say, oh, I heard about this great short, even though mm. they haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, do you keep those business cards and log them and da, 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 or, you know, when you get home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've learned I have to write. Every time I meet somebody, I have to write on the business card some kind of context keyword. Yeah, yeah. Um, to remind yourself. <laughs> There was a, it was a feature documentary, actually. I think it was South by Southwest. They, uh, it was called They Will Have to Kill Us First. It was mm. a documentary about um, music in Mali. And they, to promote their film, uh, made transferable tattoos. Nice. Of the logo. And, um, and everyone, like, wanted one. And mm. everyone was seeing them, like... Um, because they had them in London as well, and everyone was seeing them in London, like, where did you get that? I want one too, you know, and it, it just, you know, so I think... Captured the imagination. Yeah, people like stuff. So you've got to think, you've got to, you know, it's tough, it's tough being a short filmmaker. You're often your own sales, you're your yeah. promoter, you're a producer, you're a distributor. But the, so the key is kind of the marketing and PR for your film has to be inventive. It has to, you know, ideally connect thematically to the film and speak to those, speak to those audiences. Just as an old a kind of generic... Postcards not really going to capture the imagination necessarily. Depends on the design as well. Yeah, I always image. love looking up and taking home the postcards of short films where people give me posters, the little business cards. If they're really striking, whether because of the imagery or the design around it, um, it definitely sticks in my mind. Thank you so much for giving us the benefit of your insight. It's been really, really interesting. And um, I, I'm going to lead a round of applause to say thank you. Will Massa there, thanks to him, plus Katie Metcalf, Anna Buditskaya and Johanna Brooks. Next up in this festival focus, four short filmmakers discuss how they won over the festival circuits and how you can do that too. If you've seen Edmund, it will definitely have stayed with you. It's the story of an oddball character whose desire to be close to those around him reaches cannibalistic extremes. <sighs> Nina Gantz is its writer-director and Emila Jafra is her producer. And our second film, Balcony, also has plenty of laurels to its name. 
The story is set in a neighbourhood rife with racial tension where a local girl falls for a recent immigrant who is a victim of prejudice and shame. Nobody knew what their deal was. And when nobody knows, folks who tend to fill in the blanks with their imagination. Ali Mansour, the producer, and Toby Fell Holden, the director, also joined our panel. Your host is Bryony Hansen. So obviously we know kind of what's happened to these films, not least a BAFTA, not least a double Iris Prize, a TV sale, uh, you know, kind of a million other kind of accolades that have come, come your way. But can you just give us, just, just start us off with a quick update, a very quick update on kind of how you got to make this film? Are you working together? Is this a college film? Is that, you know, like, what was the context for making the film? We uh, applied to Film London's London Calling Plus scheme. Um, which funded the shorts, so it was part of that competition that me and Toby and the other producer, Tom Kimberley, applied to. Um, the other producer? Tom Kimberley, so it's two producers. And um, so that was sort of the a scheme that sort of launched the short film um, from its very inception. And had you worked together before and had you made films before? No, uh, the whole team worked for the first time together. Which isn't normal. Which isn't normal. Had you been to film school, did you? Yeah, we both went to film school, different film schools in the US. Uh, so we were used to working with sort of a family of, of uh, crew members who were film school related. But I returned to the UK um, about two years ago and was looking for material to submit to, to the scheme. And I met Toby on a Facebook group uh, run by Film London. And he just posted a message saying, I'm looking for a producer. I'm interested in applying. And, we got together one, one afternoon in Old Street. I read the script and did it for me, really. And uh, we built the whole crew, just interviewing loads of people, DP, editors, and just built the crew bit by bit. Okay, and when, when was this? When did you make it? We, um, the scheme that we applied to was in autumn of 2014. We shot it in uh, May, end of May 2015. And our premiere was at the BFI London Film Festival, October 2015. So it's one year on okay. of its festival run. Okay, perfect. Tom I found on a Mandy group. T say that again, Tom? Mandy.com. Yeah, really, you're so other Literally, user. like, the whole thing was put together through the internet. And the cast of nearly 50, the crew of nearly 50, I had not met a single person before. So it's not the normal way to do it, because oh. I, was, I was in the US, so I went to film school in New York, and kind of came back to do Balcony, having realized that Film London actually thought they might support it. So it was all built, built very, it's a weird way to make a film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, but very yeah. successful. Yeah, Look at yeah, we were, yeah, lucky. Okay, we'll come back to what happened in that interim year then. Yeah. Um, you two, what, yours a uh, more conventional <laughs> route? What um, Yeah, it's a graduation film from the Where you wanted it to be seen, school. you know, what your ambition was for the audience for the film. That's funny. I don't think we talked about it for quite a long while no. because that's not like that's not how I start making making a film. Mm -hmm. I do. We did think about it, of course. What like what does this story mean? Of course, to have, like if if I go ahead with this story, what where would it be shown? Kind of that kind of stuff. And I think we thought about it in, in a broader sense of like how is this going to connect with an audience? Yeah. Do we think we're making something that people are actually going to connect with and enjoy? And that's not. Uh, yeah, that, that, that connects on an emotional level, yeah. uh, as well as there's all the kind of visual things that we wanted to do. 
but then the actual specific festival conversations didn't really happen until the film was done uh, and ready to submit and then we sort of sat down and yeah. and uh, you know talked about what which festivals we wanted to apply to and in which order and what that what that uh, would do for the film okay well in that case tell us before you sort of talk about the strategy of how you decided tell us actually what did happen like what so you finished the film in in june no, we finished the film in february 2015 yeah uh, and where's it been since what's what have you what has your what's the journey been the the whole journey from from then Rocket. to now. Rocket. Okay, <laughs> not the whole journey. Uh, so we spent a few months just kind of submitting, putting together a spreadsheet, deciding what we wanted to do, doing lots of submissions, and then obviously that always there's always a kind of lead time of you know a few months, like two three months if you're lucky to get into your first festival. Which is also nice after making a film for a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just have a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. So so I think after like two months or something. Yeah, our first, our first festival was in June last year. Yeah, so, and then um, I think after... Wait, what was it? First... <laughs> it was really funny. That yeah. I think we didn't really think about a good premiere. Uh, we had it in the tiniest festival in... Where was it? The Croatia? Czech Republic. Oh, Czech Republic, yeah. So, um, just because we had this tiny kind of strategy that I thought, because we put a lot of money in at first, uh, so each of us, like three of us, like put in 200 pounds to submit to festivals in the beginning, and we thought, you know what, if we send into this small festival, maybe we win something, and then we can pay ourselves back, pay ourselves and, and back. submit to more and festivals. Yeah, so maybe because we didn't have any money, of, of course, after school. So, and, and that, kind of worked, that worked, actually. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, so we had a kind of dual strategy, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, the overall strategy is you want as many people as possible to see the film yeah. in big and small festivals and industry and public festivals and everywhere, but, so there was the films that we knew would be beneficial from a kind of profile and industry point of view. And then there was the festivals that, um, you know, that we knew would have an audience and people would go see the film and that might also uh, have more prize money. You'd be surprised which mm -hmm. festivals do and don't have prize money. Mm -hmm. A lot of the smaller ones do. Yeah. And so, yes, the first festival was this festival called Zlin in yeah. the Czech Republic. And we won a thousand euros, which took about a year and a half to get out of them. But, yeah. um, <laughs> But that meant that, you know, straight away we could kind of pay back all the submission fees that we'd been out of pocket on, which yeah. obviously we couldn't really... We sent to the bigger festivals, yeah. Yeah, and then kind of get get the ball rolling a bit more actively mm -hmm. on um, submitting to more festivals and all that. And you've done... Just how many festivals have you done, do you know? Uh, 125, last count, yeah, but I'm still, still counting, <laughs> Yeah, I think. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you how much that all cost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and so you got then to the end of your, or midway through your festival life, and then what happened? Uh, yeah, so the festivals, it definitely got more and more sort of intensive. It started off quite slowly. It was maybe like a, a two festivals the first month, one festival the second month, that kind of thing. And then as it started to show in bigger festivals and it won a couple of prizes, we started to get invited to more festivals and it get... It really got a momentum of its own, basically, after a certain point in time. Uh, and after, yeah, after a certain period, maybe about five or six months, we weren't really submitting anymore, and we were just kind of sending the film to people who were interested in seeing it. Uh, and then, yeah, then we got uh, nominated for the Biffa and won the Biffa last year, so I met these guys. And uh, then and then those kinds of awards things happened, and then the BAFTA. And... <coughs> And then in June, we decided it was time to put the film online. So we put it 
on Nowness first and then on Vimeo in June this yeah. year. So and in between, year. I think I gave the link to everybody that wanted to see it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't really precious with it. Uh, tell us your sort of fe festival and sales journey. Like who's, who's seen your film? We are automatically selected for our world pair was um, the BFI London Film Festival because Film London had a set, they did it 20 shorts and then they sort of selected a number of them uh, to take to the film festival. Um, so that was our world premiere. Also, I think like Edmund, we really didn't think about festival strategy until we were in post-production and we knew when our delivery date was, when the film would be locked. And then we started looking, okay, so where are the deadlines? Which ones do we want to have our premiere and sort of have more of a strategy towards selecting which ones we wanted to go? I mean, it was, it was funny to hear your version because ours, ours, I think, is quite the opposite. I've done a bunch of shorts. I tried very hard to get out on the festival circuit for several years while in film school and with very small degrees of success. But through a lot of trial and error doing that, then came to realize all the different things of like the premier issues of nearly every country will have a festival that you have to screen there first. And mm -hmm. so bit by bit, I would learn the hard way. So it became a real operation like with this one of <laughs> like a big spreadsheet and kind of having marked almost like, you know, where do we want to premiere in the world, in Europe? What are the sort of restrictions within countries? How do we pick between different big festivals in countries? And, probably, and how did probably you make those selections? Like what did you, you know, what, what kind of discussion? Sundance versus what? So yeah, I think we, you know, we tried to apply to all of the major US ones, you know, the four or five ones, which are more industry noteworthy. And uh, big mainstream festivals or shorts festivals? Um, both mainstreams and shorts. So uh, Sundance, uh, Palm Springs Short Fest, uh, South by Southwest. So all of those that, you know, every filmmaker just applies to. And then I guess in Europe, um, Berlin, Clermont, uh, we skipped Cannes because we were two minutes over. Venice, they require an exclusive world premiere, so we were at the London Film Festival, so it didn't work but, out for us. But it also wasn't just skipping Cannes, it, it was also just there's an order in the season of like mm -hmm. where you yeah. can screen, so if you've made a film and it's ready in January, if you apply to Berlin and you get in, then you're not going to be going you're probably not going to, turn to Cannes. It down, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same with uh, the US, uh, I think Sundance doesn't officially have a premiere status, but somewhere like okay. Tri Tribeca, Tribeca does. Mm -hmm. And South by kind of do so you have to sort of think about it a little in those terms of what you would like to be the starting places if you're lucky enough to get into them because yeah we had we had a thing where we were in Claremont and Berlin for example we couldn't play it both so we had to mm -hmm. uncomfortably withdraw from and Berlin. how were you finding all that information were you just trawling individual websites or is there a specific go-to place that you went to to built a spreadsheet over you built a year a or two from film school yeah in fact, we have your spreadsheet, don't we? You didn't yes. know. Should we have a look at the spreadsheet? Let's have a look at the spreadsheet. <laughs> look, isn't that horrible? It's like our one. Should probably give a Talk bit us of through context. that spreadsheet for a moment. <coughs> yeah. Look, just, at look at that, Nina, 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, just to say that it really is a, a working document for me and Nina. So it's, it, it's just the information that's in there is the information that's useful to us. It's not particularly presentable. Um, yeah, so it's actually, in real life, it lives in a shared folder on Google Docs that we can both access it. And we built it also over time. We started with the ones that are in yellow or the kind of obvious ones that are either Oscar or BAFTA qualifying. Because that, you know, not that we were just, that, not that that's the only purpose to having a festival life at all, to be BAFTA or Oscar qualified, but just that at least that, you know, 
those festivals have a certain standing, mm -hmm. that they're worth the submission fee, that you know, you, you're going to be within the certain standards. And then everything else that's on there now was added over time. Some are not uh, BAFTA or Oscar qualifying, but are still really good festivals that we knew about that we were interested in, oh. that have a good reputation within the world of uh, animation. That's, yeah. that's also something that we took into account. Nina had already had a film that had had a bit of a festival run, and so she knew about some festivals that were maybe a bit outside the beaten track. And then, and then we've just been adding as we go all the festivals that email us that are interested in seeing the film. Emily, yes. And yes, <laughs> yeah. Nina's allergic to spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> and then the other purpose of that to begin with was to kind of keep track of what we were spending because we didn't, you know, we didn't necessarily have the funds to just like, you can easily, I think, if you submit everywhere, find yourself with a thousand yeah. pound bill and not have gotten really into anything. Um, it can easily happen and we couldn't really afford to do that. So yeah. we were keeping track very carefully at first of what everyone was spending, knowing that if ever any money came back in from prize money or, or screening fees or whatever, that the first thing we would do would be to pay everyone back. Yeah. And so, so yeah, Nina and I both put in £200 to start with and we asked the crew, you know, if anyone can afford to contribute, it will help the film get started. And there was one person who... Fortunately, he was in a position to do that, but he's also yeah. been paid back since then. But yeah. um, so that that was kind of the purpose of that spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is really stressing me out. It's yeah. so yeah. huge. It does stress me out as well. It's overwhelming. Because it's still even now quite a lot of work to keep on top of it. And the board stuff is the, the festivals that we got into. Um, and we don't colour code the ones that we don't get into because it's like, well, whatever. <laughs> I just have a Word document that I keep aside from this. So... It's really a bit messy for me, probably. Yeah, yeah. You can see the ones that we were really excited about there, with the exclamation marks. Yeah. Um, you people need to market this. You need to yeah. do an app for this. Or yeah. Something. I mean, you have well, to someone have should because I mean, obviously, there's the websites like Without a Box and yeah. Film Freeway that will help you keep. This track. is more specific though. Much more specific. It's more specific. It's also because the thing that's frustrating when you're doing festival submissions that anyone knows who's done them is that. There's never going to be one platform that 100% of the festivals are in. There's always yeah. going to be some only accept this platform, some you have to apply direct, some will make you print out a PDF and fill it in by hand and sign it before you can apply and all that kind of stuff. So you have to have some sort of a system. And I would just say, whatever works for you, it doesn't have to be that kind of intense spreadsheet, but something that you can easily just make notes in and, yeah. and keep track of what you're doing. Okay, brilliant. Uh, go back to your journey. I'm sorry we interrupted you halfway through because I got a bit slightly obsessed with your spreadsheets. <laughs> um, where, so you, you had your LFF screening, you had various others. Keep going, what happened the rest of the year? I think the, after, I think the focus was first UK festivals once we played in London. Again, it's to do with retaining premiere status because then you can sort of have a world premiere because you've just played within your country of origin. Mm -hmm. um, when we got the Biffa nomination, that, that helped a lot with how we could then approach festivals asking for waivers, because mm -hmm. then we could refer to that. And I think Flickrfest was our international premiere in Australia, um, and Berlin was our European premiere, because we won at those festivals. Then it became much, much easier at that point to just keep emailing every other festival that was of interest to us and just say, we've, we've won at these, can we get a waiver? And the thing that's great is that most of the bigger festivals, like pretty much all the Oscar qualifier type festivals or just the more established ones, if they've got a bit of a, they tend to have a bit more of a budget or a bit more flexibility with how they approach their intake. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're pretty willing to let you in. So 
I spent, we've played at like 10 times more festivals than my previous stuff, but we spent a lot less money to get it out there because we were able to get enough waivers. But it was so crucial to being able to have one or two bigger things you could sort of hang your hat on mm. early. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after, after Berlin, what were the other, Tribeca was our North American premiere. Um, yeah, I think for us the strategy was just using what we had achieved before, like the Bifa nomination, and just contacting these festivals, even by phone if necessary, finding the programmer, and just giving a quick call, hi, you know, this is my short, I'm gonna submit, can we have a waiver? And even if they don't give it to you, it's just a good way to, as the programmers were saying earlier, to be on their radar and just grab their attention so that they'll be more inclined to sort of watch the short, which apparently they watch every short. I didn't know that, you know, sometimes it might, you know, like slip under them, but apparently from the previous panel, they watch every single short, so that's really good to hear. Mm. It seems to make a difference calling. I'm not saying everyone call all the festivals, but um, programmers. <laughs> I, I think it... I mean, I prefer making the phone yeah. call and then following up with an email. I just, you know, it's easier to, to say, uh, to say a no. Okay. But I would definitely only do that it, once you've got one or two festival selections. Yeah. I think if you've yeah. just made your film, unless you already know the programmer from a previous festival run, the, they don't want every, you know, they don't want 7,000 people emailing them asking for a waiver. Mm -hmm. Just to qualify what we were saying earlier as well about our premiere, uh, we were less strategic about it, but also, but, you know, the, the thing about premiering at the small festival is that we already knew at that point in time that we were in Edinburgh, which does have a UK premiere requirement, and that we yeah. were also in NC in, in France. And so it was just about checking that those festivals were gonna be okay with a, a smaller festival showing us yeah, first. Yeah, we did check that, actually. So we did check that, yeah. and that was fine. So then, um, yeah, we, like, you just have to bear in mind not to cancel out anything that, mm. uh, that you do want to do, but beyond that, we were not picky, and, and we were just about getting the film sent to as many festivals as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the big ones and the free ones, those were the main targets. <laughs> and then just thinking back over the year and all the different festival experiences you've had, have you all travelled extensively with your films, or have you just basically let them you have? So which are the festivals that you... To talk us through a few different experiences that you've had at festivals, and how you would kind of value the experiences you've had. You know, was your... Tribeca Festival, like the, the moment you were waiting for, or you know, what, what's, what's been, what was achieved by you putting your films into various different platforms? Uh, I mean, the bigger ones, as you imagine, they were, they, they were great experiences to be at Berlin, it's such a big festival, you've got the whole film world there. And, um, was there ever an occasion when you felt that your film, it was a small short film, it got lost? Or not? I mean, no, because they have their different sort of sections. So we're playing in the generation section. So then you've really got like your generations tribe who are there. But then you have so many different parties that are going on that are connected to, say, there's like a UK event or, or different things where you've got other points of commonality between. Glad you mentioned the UK event, <laughs> our party. Um, but that was actually great because then I got to meet lots of other people who I knew were around in the uh -huh. British film community who I hadn't met, but so many people come out for those events or they're there on the talent campus or this and that that um it was a great way to connect with people to meet um other uh, just other like film sort of crew and mm -hmm. producers and uh actually when we first played at the film london i mean it's not a festival but it it, it definitely helped a lot i guess as you mentioned when we played there out of that uh, I got my agents from that because there are some agents in the room 
which can also happen at festivals too. You're at, at the bigger festivals, you'll have agents sort of scouting for, for talent amongst short filmmakers, but, but that was how it happened for me. Um, and and at, Tri, at Tribeca, I got to meet producers who I'm now, just this morning, someone emailed to follow up, like they see the short, they like it, and then you're meeting them Mm -hmm. you know, to talk about, like, do you want to direct this feature script and crazy stuff like that? It just started to come out of being at some of those events. What about you two? Did you, what were your, what were your kind of, in a way, what were your good and bad experiences? What were, you, what were the best things you did? I think every festival I went to did something really good for me. Like some, I've been to some more student film festivals and there I saw amazing work and I met really great people, makers. And of course we went to bigger festivals like Sundance that was really incredible I met more of like a film community and producers and also in yeah an agent that I now know in LA that I'm, I'm now with in LA and uh, at encounters we like we we won a prize and they brought me in contact with the company I work for now blink Inc mm -hmm. uh, in in London and uh, so that's like an actual real like it, it all I think it all is so great to go to uh, mm -hmm. just for um, for, for to meet other people, but also to, meet, to maybe, uh, you, you never know what the real link is gonna be, like what it's actually immediately mm. gonna do. Mm -hmm. But I think um, just go to as many as you. I totally agree, yeah. I think we had to pick and choose, obviously, and there were some that we would have loved to be able to go to, but we just couldn't, we just didn't have the time or uh, the finances, although it's worth saying that a lot of festivals do pay for at least one filmmaker to travel, and the British Council obviously has amazing support yeah. for certain festivals to be attended by British filmmakers. Um, but yeah, we, we had to pick and choose, but I think every festival, I agree with Nina, every festival is worth going to, or most of them anyway, um, if you can, because even the smaller ones, even if there's only one short that you see there that you think is amazing, mm. it, you never know, that might be someone that you work with in the future. Uh, that might be a source of inspiration that it might even if you only meet one or two people that you wouldn't have met otherwise mm -hmm. i think it's it, it's a, something worth doing and it's so much fun as well it's like yeah. so gratifying to see, watch your film with an audience mm -hmm. and to have that kind of excitement because you know obviously people are really keen at festivals and it's a kind of celebration of filmmaking and just kind of usually gets you quite excited about doing the next thing. And on a practical level, what did you, what materials did you produce? What did you take to the festival? Did you do posters? Did you, you did trailers obviously, but what, what else did, what did you practically do with you, take, take with you? I think we prepared some postcards and a poster uh, for Berlin. Um, I mean, we had a website and um, social media channels that we actively updated. Um, but you know, I think it's useful to have maybe just some postcards with filmmaker contact details and mm -hmm. the screening dates. Um, for just to put in the lobbies of the festival or where people are going to register for their tickets. Um, I don't know how much useful those were, but it's always good to have that material anyway, regardless so that you just drop it down. I mean, I've seen a lot of shorts when I'm at a festival and I see a postcard and I, the image is really interesting and I read the log and I say, oh, this is an interesting short or film. I'm going to go and see it. It's right there in front of me. So mm -hmm. it, it can help to grab some attention. I think, I think when you're premiering somewhere, it can be helpful then because nobody has a clue who you are. So in order to just get any initial interests, mm -hmm. I think that's where it's helpful. I think we got pretty casual about doing that pretty much after Berlin, mm -hmm. just went yeah. with the flow of things. I think, um, 
I mean, maybe this is just me, but when I'm at a festival and I want to go see some shorts, I would just look what's in the brochure. So I think those things can be helpful to hand out. Um, you know, if you're at a party and your film's already screened and you meet someone who wants to see it but didn't get a chance, then we had these little business cards that Nina did with a link, that the Vimeo link to the film and the mm -hmm. passwords. And so if someone's missed your film, you, you can still give it to them and follow up in some way. Yeah. But otherwise, I think the most important bit of marketing you're going to have is your log line, because that might be the only thing that people know about you if they're just flicking through the brochure. And if you can do something that's a little bit attention-grabbing and snappy, that can be really good. And it was funny, looking at the poster behind, this is your poster or your postcard? Uh, this is the website. This is your website, OK. But it's also the image that we used on the... Um, Post and the post. Yeah. Okay. And, the post, yeah. and how did you go about determining what? You know, at which point did you kind of select this is the image that you used? You know, how, like how did you? Uh, I suppose how did you position the film from just this single image? Like, what kind of conversations did you have? And is that something that you did, or did you get an advice from an agency? Or we we did it ourselves. I think we were mostly going through images from within the film. We did have a stills photo person on set. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think we ultimately, and we did even after we wrapped, I actually tried, it was really bad, but I tried to do like this poster image of the two of the girls and it looked, it looked ridiculous. But um, in my head, that was going to be the cool poster image and, and that was not even remotely cool. And Because uh, it's the wrong image or because you're not a graphic designer? It, it, looked, it, looked, it looked too composed and outside of what the film was. And I hadn't thought it through enough. And so we ultimately ended up taking from within Within the, the is that a shot from within the film? Yeah. That's not a sales shot. Okay. That's, yeah, that is a, a shot from within the film. I think I think it's a really smart thing to do is to try and have someone <coughs> taking photos and to maybe have thought a little bit about whether there's a particular scene or image that you think would be a good place for for a poster shot. Like we have a, a crowd scene near the end of the film, and it's, it's a dramatic moment. And looking back, if I put the chaos of like what that was to shoot aside. That would have been a great place where, for example, someone could have tried to maybe compose just discreetly to the side an interesting picture that could have been part of a poster, but um, I hadn't thought it through that much. Right, and it hasn't really damaged you not having it? No. No? Not yet. Okay. Did you, did, how did you talk about the kind of the, the single image that you wanted to use to represent the film? Um, we had made a selection of images, yeah. yeah. We, put, we did put quite a lot of consideration into that, and obviously, our film, we didn't need a stills photographer because the film is a, select, a series of stills, so we could just pick uh, the ones that we liked the best. We, yeah, we just kind of narrowed it down to the five that we thought were strongest. It's good to have at least one, which is more of a close-up like that, quite strong, that will work as a thumbnail because they usually get printed very yeah. small, but then we also had some that were more kind of wide shots that are also very... Yeah. Uh, Graphically, oh, we made a pleasing. poster as well, and and that was I wanted to make a drawing of the poster first, but then, of course, it's such a short film, and you kind of want like them to understand when they see it that what they've what they've just seen, you want to to link it to them. So we decided to actually use a still of the film, but then make it like poster format, and then, mm -hmm. of course, the, the the laurels on it I find always very difficult. I don't know, uh, just like to bang so many laurels on it that that. It feels sometimes, it, I think it does say a lot because it says, you know, this film has been like doing really well or something. And, and that's really great. But uh, I think now we had that first and then we did only two. And I'm always like really afraid of doing that. I don't know how you feel about that. It's like, 
How you mean aesthetically? You don't, you aesthetically, it's, it doesn't look so good as well, but also just you don't want it to be like very arrogant or something. That, uh, That's why she's a producer and you're the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're allowed to the be. Laws, the laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you have to be selective about which ones. You know, some, some people, you'll see sometimes a poster that's like just absolutely covered in laurels. Uh, from top from to bottom. towns you've never heard of, for, and from yeah. festivals you've never heard of, and once you, if if once you start looking at the laurels, you don't recognise any of the festival names. Yeah. That's not particularly great either. I think only put a laurel on it if you know if it's a festival that you think people might have heard of. Okay, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. That was really Thanks for listening to part one of this three-part series from The Guru. You can hear the other shows by subscribing. Just search for BAFTA's The Guru in your podcast app of choice, where you'll also find a huge archive of episodes covering the making of films, TV and video games. Thanks to Gemma Desai, BAFTA and the British Council. The producer is Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. Until next time, goodbye. The Guru.